0: What a privilege it is for uh, me to be able to speak today and uh, to give Pastor Philip uh, Sunday and, well, really the whole week, that he could uh, help with our children's ministry and, and do the planning that is necessary for that. Um, it's always good to, uh, to be able to speak for the Lord. Um, what a way to worship. We've already worshiped this morning. I, I feel as though through the songs and... And the unity and the excitement and the enthusiasm, it has been a, a blessing and, and a great time uh, to worship. Stacy's not here, so somebody get the lights. There you go. That's good right there. Appreciate that. Um, I want to uh, ask you to, to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17. That will be our scripture text today, and we'll read that in just a moment. Um, I want to also be sure to include our online audience, those of you that are still at home and worshiping with us at home, want to make you feel a very welcome part of your church family and we hope and pray to see you all very, very soon. Um, I want to tell you there's something very special about today. Um, And uh, a couple of things we can identify about this day today. It is September the 6th. It is the day before a nationally recognized holiday. So many of us are uh, going to have tomorrow off. And so that will make our Sunday afternoon and our Sunday evening more enjoyable. Um, So, um, and yes, it is Sunday. It is a day of worship. It is a day of rest. Um, It is a day that the Lord set apart for us to look to Him, to worship Him, and to acknowledge Him and glorify Him. All of that is true about this day today. But there's one thing that I have omitted that is very, very unique about this day today. What makes this day so very special for each of us is that it is the first day of the rest of our lives. I'm going to say that one more time because that is so profound. This day, September the 6th, 2020, is the first day of the rest of our lives. So as we go through our time today in God's Word, I want us to keep that in the back of my mind. And today we're going to look at a very, very familiar character in our Bible, the Apostle Paul. Um, We're going to see that Paul also experienced a first day in the rest of his life. And I think there are some great things that we can draw from this. I am a huge believer in New Beginnings. Um, I don't believe we are doomed and destined to stay where we are in our personal lives, our family lives, our careers, um, our relationships. I believe that there are new beginnings that God gives to each of us. Uh, I believe that there is complete and powerful transformations that can take place in every life of every individual. Uh, Paul is a man who got it right. Paul is a man that, as an adult, got it all together. Now, Paul was a man that did not start well, and we'll find more out about that in his story, but Paul was a man that finished well. So I want to say to us today, one, Today is special because it is a new beginning. It is the first day of the rest of our lives. And secondly, I want to tell each of us, it doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter uh, whether we started strong. It doesn't matter. What matters is that from this day forward that we finish the race for Christ strong and that we finish it well. So if you would, uh, if you have uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, we're going to re- read one verse together today and then we'll be looking at some associated passages of Scripture and I'll call those out as we go through the message uh, today. But in reverence to the reading of the Word of God, I would ask you to stand and uh, you have your devices, you have your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. I'm going to read two translations. The first one I'm going to read is the old King James Version. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I love uh, the Living Bible, paraphrased. Uh, I just find that sometimes it reads very well and So I liked the translation in the Living Bible. Let me read this translation, 2 Corinthians 5 17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray and ask God's blessings upon uh, our study in His Word today. Father, we are so thankful to be here together, joined together with uh, people that we just maybe met for the first time this morning. Lord, thank you for them coming to Infinity uh, and, and joining in worship with us. Father, we are so thankful for the mission team that you protected and that you kept safe and that you allowed to be productive Uh, Father, we we praise you for that. We praise you that Infinity Church is a church that believes strongly in missions and we believe strongly in going out, uh, whether it's in our community or to a faraway state or even a faraway land, Lord, and sharing the gospel. Um, Father, I thank you for uh, our members. I thank you for our family that is at home, that is worshiping with us online. Uh, Father, I just pray that you pull us all together here from every station of life that we're in mold us together this morning and I pray that the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit will go out from the spoken word this morning we pray all of this in the precious name of Christ amen, amen. Paul's background alright you may know a lot about Paul and uh and, and that's great he is a great giant of the faith uh, in the New Testament But in preparing for our message today, I did a little work just to uncover maybe a few things about Paul um, that we we may have known and forgotten, and some of these will be facts about Paul that uh, we already know. But Paul's birthplace was in Tarsus. Uh, This was the Roman capital of the province Cecilia. Um, you may remember Paul's time, his life was dominated by, by the Roman rule. It was dominated by the presence of Rome, the greatest world power at that particular time. Now his home may have been Tarsus in the Roman province, but he loved Jerusalem. He, he kind of claimed Jerusalem as his home, as his hometown. Paul was both a Jew, but also a Roman citizen. That was unusual for that day and time, but he was both. He was both devout Jew and he was both a Roman citizen. Now Paul spent the first half of his life as a Jewish Pharisee. Now the best way that in layman's terms I can express what a Jewish Pharisee is would be a religious person on steroids. I mean they are just uh, it just oozes out of them and so he was a Pharisee. He was a law keeper and if you were a law breaker he came down on you and I mean he came down on you hard and so he spent the first half of his life as this Jewish Pharisee. Uh, You see they were strict even more so than normal Judeo uh, people. He spent his entire life up to this point believing in the law, living the law, pushing the law, hammering the law, taking the law and beating it over people's heads is basically what a Jewish Pharisee did. They practiced zealously keeping the law of God. Because you see, The Pharisees thought that by keeping the letter of the law to the nth detail, that that was the way of holiness to God. They thought that the keeping of the law would draw them closer to God. Paul was incredibly intelligent. Incredibly intelligent. Uh, he was used by God to write 13 books in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians is one of the books that he wrote. Um, many of the books are actually letters that Paul penned. You can see uh, just a, 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 what is an imaginary picture of Paul sitting in a Roman prison cell and he is writing and his passion was writing and he wrote letters to the churches that he had helped to found on his three missionary journeys. Um, And many of these books and today's message, we are still able to benefit and, and read the depth of Paul's understanding of Christ and what Christ did for us on the cross. He spoke Aramaic, but he wrote in Greek. He was a tent maker he was industrious, he had a career, he was a missionary, he was a writer, he was a theologian, he was an evangelist, he was a mentor, he was a prophet, a miracle worker, a prisoner, and ultimately a martyr for Jesus Christ. So we could say Paul's life was broken into three different seasons of his life, or three different phases of his life. First, he was that devout Pharisee that lived the law, enforced the law, practiced the law, and hammered you when you didn't live up to the law. Secondly, he was a tireless traveler. He went on three missionary journeys and wanted to go on a fourth, but was taken prisoner and taken to Rome and lastly he was an ambitious writer so we can see the seasons of life that Paul went through and the phases of his life we can see the story of Paul in these three different times in his life so I want to pause here for just a moment and ask each of us this question today on the first day of the rest of our lives a new beginning I want to ask this question, how will your life story read to this point? What does your life story read like? How did this man, Paul, a devout Pharisee, a keeper of the law, an enforcer of the law, how did this man, Paul, see such a dramatic and powerful and radical change in his life. Perhaps you, perhaps I, long for a change in our life. Perhaps you are in a place now where you want a reversal. Perhaps you are going in one direction, but in your heart, you know that's the wrong direction, and you want to reverse that and you want to go in a different direction. Perhaps it's not really direction that is your problem today or my problem. Perhaps it is more of an attitude or it's more of a mindset. But what we can all gain from this story about Paul is that we have the power through the work of Jesus Christ, we have the power to change our lives. We have the power if we are going in the wrong direction, hell-bent, going in the wrong direction, we have Christ that can reverse us and push us back toward Christ. If we are already trending toward Christ and we deal with things like bitterness and worry and anxiety and and jealousy and, and all of those things that can be harmful to us then yes, praise God, we can draw draw closer to Christ and we can even become more like the nature of Christ. So there's not a person in here, including this speaker today, that does not need some type of radical change in our lives. There are three truths that I believe that we can conclude from the life of Paul that will offer us this life-lasting, life-changing power in our lives today. And I'm not talking about some emotional, enthusiastic, I feel good at the moment change. I'm not talking about that. I've seen that so many times among believers. No, what I'm talking about today is a life-lasting, life-long sustaining so that when our life story is read at the end of our lives, it can be said of us that we were consistent and that we finished strong. Praise the Lord for college football. College football was on yesterday. Wanda and I watched three different college football games yesterday. It was great to have college football back. We get enthusiastic about our college football teams, don't we? Okay? But I'm not talking about that kind of enthusiasm. I'm talking about the kind that is a deep-seated, depth-in-your-soul type commitment to Christ and the grace that He has shown to us. And then when we have that, that will manifest itself. That will come out of us in our nature. That's the kind of change that affected this great man, the Apostle Paul. The first thing that I want you to notice about this, that Brent brought about this dramatic change, is he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I want you to look over in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 9. And I'm actually, I have verses 3 through 9 written in the outline, but I'm actually going to read verses 1 through 9. And I'll read these as quickly as I can. This is Saul, who we know as Paul. But I want you to hear this personal encounter that Paul had with the risen Lord. Acts chapter 9, starting verse 1. But Saul, Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way or to the church new believers, Christians that were fleeing the persecution from the Pharisees, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone round him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you were persecuting. But rise and enter the city, Damascus, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with Paul stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him, Paul, by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days... He was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Paul had a personal encounter with the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. Notice that he had asked for and that he had received special orders from the Jewish high priest in Jerusalem to go to Damascus, which is about 60 miles northeast of Jerusalem. So he is going there. He is tracking down these new believers, these disciples of Christ who have fled and they're they're standing for, um, uh, standing against Judaism and he is stamping them out to the letter of the law that he so passionately believes in. And so here he has these papers from the Jewish high priest to go and pursue these. And I want you to notice in, verses, um, in verse number 5, I want you to notice what is said to Paul. After he asks, Who are you, Lord? Jesus answers and he says, I am Jesus. Now notice, Paul was on a mission, he was on the road to Damascus, he was doing what he thought. The law required him to do. He was going the wrong way. Christ personally interrupted Paul's schedule and he intervened in his life. Let me say that one more time because that's something we all need to know and to be sensitive to. Sometimes Christ will come into our lives and he will interrupt our schedule and He will intervene in our life. Sometimes that may occur in a phone call, a phone call you didn't expect with news that you certainly were not expecting. Sometimes it may involve a loved one or a friend. Something has happened and all of a sudden what looked bright and clear and straightforward to you is now uncertain, cloudy, Doubtful, and that's Christ interrupting our life. And notice notice what Jesus asked of Paul. He said, Paul, why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting my people? Paul, why are you so hell-bent on going and finding my new children and dragging them back and persecuting them? He said, why are you acting this way? You see, Christ was dramatically changing Paul from the inside out. And he had to do it this way because this man was unstoppable, basically. He passionately believed in the law and what he was doing. And so he was pursuing with everything that he had these, these new Christians. You see, it all begins with a personal encounter it begins with that time when, when all of a sudden you hear this voice and it says, I am Jesus. We yield our life to Him. We repent. We understand the precious blood of Jesus Christ and we understand that that, only the blood of Christ, can change us and change us from the inside out. Secondly, I want you to know that after the personal encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, His zeal for the law was replaced by His zeal for Christ. You remember we've been talking about the law and and, and the Jewish requirements to practice Judaism and, and practice it in a way that it, it drew you closer to God and made you more holy than someone else. And so he had this zeal for the law. Well, when he had that personal encounter with the risen Lord, his priorities changed. His passion changed. His life changed. And no longer did he have that zeal for the persecution of the new believers. But now he had a zeal this living Christ that had filled his heart and his mind and was now going to use him as the instrument that Christ was going to spread the gospel to the Gentiles outside of the Jewish believers. Look Look at Paul's own words about himself as he had this misplaced passion, this misdirected direction that he was living his life. Um, Mark Philippians chapter 3 verse 6. This is another book that Paul has written to the church at Philippi. These are Paul's words about himself. He is writing about himself. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 6. He says, I, Paul, was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You see, he just had the greatest zeal and passion to enforce and pursue the law that he completely missed out on the idea of Christ, His grace, and His love. You see, Paul was consumed with his zeal for persecuting the new Christians. So let us pause there and let me ask a question of all of us this morning. Is it possible to have zeal? To be zealous about something? To have passion for something? To make something a priority above all else in our lives? Can we do that and do it in the wrong way toward the wrong thing? Absolutely we can. Absolutely we can. And absolutely, we do sometimes. I want you to to notice that we can have zeal and passion and priority, and we can make unhealthy relationships sometimes. We can be participating in unwholesome activities sometimes. Now, I love college football. I I love it. I don't love it as much as Wanda uh, does, but I love college football. But folks, you and I both know we live in the South. And up until this year, there are people that, that was their idol. That was their passion. And so it kind of took front seat in their lives. Um, Hobbies, golf. I love golf. Fishing. I don't fish anymore, but I used to. Um, maybe hanging out with the wrong kind of friends. Um, all of these things can, can take priority in our life and can pull us in the wrong direction. So, so Paul Paul's whole life changed with his encounter with Christ. I want you to notice Paul's mission, his purpose, his passion, his worldview and yes even his friends and his relationships changed when he had a personal encounter with christ and he replaced that zeal and that passion and that purpose toward the law and he plugged in christ his whole life changed our text in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, you, we, we see it. Paul writes it so beautifully. He says, the spirit, the nature, the power of sin that he represents as the old man, it now has passed away. The new spirit, the new nature, and the new power of Christ enables us to become the new man. So Paul on that road to Damascus, completely, radically transformed from the inside out. I would submit to you folks, he was not reformed. He was not rejuvenated. He was not retrained or reeducated. Those terms sound familiar to you today? They should. That's a worldview. No, let me tell you what Christ did for Paul and what Christ still does for you and I today. He recreates people. He doesn't reform, He doesn't retrain, He doesn't re-educate, He doesn't rejuvenate so that you feel good for a week or two and then that feeling goes away. No, He recreates. He creates the new man from the inside out. Let me tell you a quick illustration uh, Earl Helms, many of you know Earl Helms. So uh, about uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I had left my house and I was jogging up toward uh, Fountain Inn. I jogged up to Main Street, um, up 418, you know, and I'm on my way back. Well, right there in front of the Fountain Inn post office um, where they built the McDonald's, right across the street is Nash Street. Well, many of you know that the Helms family lived out there in Nash Street. Many of you know that Earl used to drive a red pickup truck, right? So, I'm jogging back and I'm coming right up to that stop sign at Nash Street and I see Earl in his red pickup truck coast right up to the stop sign. So, we got there at the same time. So, I I always teased around with Earl and and we always uh, had fun with each other. So, I figured, well, you know, I'm just gonna kinda help Earl wake up, you know. So, I run right in front of his red pickup truck and I took my left hand and I mean I did it hard. I banged on that truck twice like that, and then I pointed right at Earl, and I'm running. To my shock and to my horror, it wasn't Earl. (laughs) This young man's eyes and my eyes met at the same moment, and he looked as surprised as I was. And in that moment, in that split second, I'm like, oh my gosh. That's not Earl. What do I do? And in that moment, I just decided, I'm just going to keep on running. (laughs) And I just kept on, and I was thinking, Lord, please let him turn to the right and go to town, or Lord, let him go straight across toward the new Emmanuel Sullivan Park, and I'm just running. And what seemed like an eternity, to my right, I hear this horn just begin to blare, just blaring this horn, and I'm just running. I'm out of my eyes straight ahead, you know. And out of the corner of my, my peripheral vision, I hear this guy hollering. And he was hollering some, some wonderful words of encouragement and 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 brotherly love. And then he got a little bit further, and I saw his arm come out the window, and he gave me the wonderful sign of brotherly hope and love, you know. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And I don't know why I did uh, why I did this. I guess because I was running and my heart just was racing. But and I don't know why I did this. But I, I hollered out. I said, "Cheerio, my good man!" And I just kept running. And and thank goodness that that red truck. I watched it go all the way down and it turned to the right onto the interstate. And I got to feeling kind of good about myself then because. I figured I wasn't going to die on the side of McCarter Road. couple of things there. One, Earl Hellams lives on Nash Street, used to. Two, Earl Hellams drives a red truck that looked just like that one. Three, the driver looked like Earl Helms from a distance. But let me ask you this question. Even though I believed that that was Earl Hellams, and even though i had some foundation for assuming that that was earl helms was it really earl helms no it wasn't and that's where paul was in his life he believed in the law he supported the law he enforced the law but his zeal and his beliefs were wrong and i submit to you and i today that we have the same tendency to believe in something and though we have conviction about it we can be dead wrong about what we believe and where we're going galatians chapter 1 verse 23 this again is a verse that paul a book that paul wrote to the church at galatia He says this about himself. uh, uh, The disciples say this about Paul. He says, He, being Paul, who formerly, formerly persecuted us, now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. I will say to you that Paul was the persecutor and through the blood of Jesus Christ and a personal encounter, and through his new zeal, he now became the preacher. He went from persecutor to preacher. Number three, and we're done. The gospel of Christ now became the gospel according to Paul. The gospel of Christ now became the gospel according to Paul. As Paul began to process what had happened to him on the Damascus Road, as he began to make sense of all of this, he offered his life, as proof of the grace of God. Paul began to share with others what God had done for him and what God was continuing to do in his life. You see, Paul wrongly believed in a works of law. Paul wrongly believed in a works of rules and regulations and you must do this and you must do that. Paul wrongly believed in that, but Christ on the Damascus Road showed him something so much better and so much more powerful, and that was grace. That was grace. He did not deserve God's grace. You and I do not deserve God's grace. Paul was a trophy of God's grace. And I'll finish with uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, if you want to make a note of this passage. Paul writes again to the church at Ephesus, and this is what Paul says. And who could tell the story with conviction and passion and zeal and enthusiasm more than Paul? But this is what Paul says about grace. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is a gift from God. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your Bibles, and the band's gonna come up here and the band's gonna play another song for us. Um, and I just, I just want us to spend a little bit of time in self-reflection here. Christ may be speaking to you in some way this morning. Um, I will say again, this is the first day of the rest of our lives. We can, we can be going in one direction today And when we walk out of Infinity Church this morning, we can be going in a completely different direction. Maybe there's some changes that need to be made in our lives today. Um, Maybe you already know Christ. Maybe you've already had that personal encounter with Christ. But maybe there's something that Christ is still working with you on. Something that you haven't quite surrendered and yielded to Him and, and He is asking you for that. He is intervening in your... We can walk out of here with a decision for Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You so much uh, for Your Word. We thank You for the power of this man, Paul. We thank You that we still, Lord, benefit from his writings and his teachings. And um, we just ask that You bless this time as we reflect upon our lives and upon what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. These things we pray in Jesus' name.